Welcome to Girls That Invest, the platform that empowers millennials through financial literacy. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are extremely passionate about all things investing and personal finance. So, how are you going, Sim? I'm good, but tell me about yourself. I've heard you've had a pretty interesting week. Yeah, I had surgery. How was that for you? It's been out. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's been all right. Kind of didn't realize how much of an impact it would have on me physically, but also emotionally. So this past week has been tough, but we get through it. I had the same thing, the same realization when I had surgery, because I think in our heads, we're just so used to things being like, boom, 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 done. And you go and you're like, okay, like it will hurt for a day and then I'll be fine. And I guess that hasn't been the case. Um, no, it was, it was more painful than I thought it would be. I had to get a bit of breast tissue removed and also like it just gets really itchy. So for about a week, they keep these really thick bandages like around you. Thank God tomorrow I'm going to go get my sutures removed. So I'm really excited about that. And then what are you going to do to celebrate? Look, I'm off antibiotics tomorrow as well. So maybe I will have a glass of wine with my dad. Treat yourself. But honestly, I can't wait for you. And, uh, and I have two weeks of annual and like the better part of it is just me recovering, which is good because I've got time to recover. I can also work from home, so that's also a big bonus, but not how I envisioned the start of my hot girl summer. (laughs) This week, we're talking about something that I'm really excited to talk about. It is social media, Instagram, and the real impact it has, not just on our mental health, which is something that I think we all know and talk about quite well, but what impact it has on our financial well-being as well but yeah i just can't wait to really get into it me too i think we'll cover some pretty interesting things today yeah for sure so i mean really going into it you know instagram social media it is an amazing platform it has let many people find their way and one of the things i love about it is it really has opened up as a platform for like small business owners or small indie artists to sort of find their way and, and let their businesses thrive and we've never been closer to you know peeking into our friends lives and the lives of people that we don't know like everything else social media has weaved its way into not only our mental health but like I was saying our financial health too there was a recent study and it found that 88% of millennials believe that being active on social media platforms compels them to compare their wealth and lifestyle with others which is nice to I mean it's it sucks obviously but it's nice to have it down in like some actual form of like numbers like this is legit a thing and not just something you think happens but you're not really sure if it's just you it's kind of important to remember that social media is still new so like the psychological impacts of heaps of things or the impact of like being on Instagram all day those studies are still being carried through um it's like with kids and vlogging like we don't know what impact that will have you know putting a video camera to someone's face since they're born up until like their preteens until that time is being dealt with if that makes sense so I agree with you like it's nice to have some concrete stats behind it and that you're not the only it's not like an isolated issue and it's like a personal issue it's kind of 
something that we're all going through. It's not a you problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, if you had to really think about like when this all sort of started coming in your mind, like the idea of like social media having an impact on how you viewed money or how you made purchases, when do you think it really began for you? I think the incident or I guess the issue of like comparing yourself on social media it kind of got brought to life with the whole do you remember Asina O'Neill um yeah well if you don't know her she was this really popular Australian Instagrammer and she posts like you know your average Instagram photos like her at the beach her having a great time at her prom like being sent like the stress and then a few years ago she went and re-edited all her Instagram captions. Oh, yes. And they were brutal, like, the behind the scenes of how she got this photo. Like, she made her sister take, retake a photo 50 times because she needed to get the perfect, like, pose for Instagram. But on Instagram, it looked really effortless. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's having such a great day at the beach straight after school, whereas she was just anxious and stressed and at the beach mind you trying to get this instagram post i think that's because it caused like media frenzy that i can pinpoint it maybe like oh i think that would honestly be the same for me i did kind of forget about it and then like when you brought it up i was like oh yeah that's right that was kind of what it was for me too like just recognizing that like i think everyone sort of had an inkling in the back of their mind that there was some form of like not fakeness but some level of like you know, this wasn't just the one photo someone took to put up because we've all done it. We've all taken 30 photos and put up one. But just to, yeah, have someone say, like, I was paid to upload this dress and I took, like, 60 photos and I fought with my sister just to, like, get the best photo. It kind of was the same for me. But, yeah, I really want to talk about the idea of keeping up with the Joneses. So for those that might know or might not know, keeping up with the Joneses It's just a phrase used to describe that sort of competition or level of competitiveness that you have with just say your neighbors or the people around you. You know, like just say you buy like a really nice car and then you come home and the next day your neighbor comes home with a better car and and it's enough to make you question your decision and be like, ah, you know, they've one-upped me. Now I need to one-up them subconscious or, or consciously and It's the idea of you never have enough because someone around you always has more. Like you might get a good promotion, but then like your best friend or someone gets a better promotion and you're just suddenly what you've done or what you've achieved is smaller in comparison and it no longer holds that weight that it once did in your own eyes. And like the idea of keeping up the Joneses is not new. It's a very old human trait. You know, I think it was the 1913 when the phrase was coined which, to give context, was the same year that Ford introduced an assembly line of cars, like, pretty pretty long time ago. But now it's like it's on steroids because rather than just competing with the people that are on our street in our suburbs, maybe the rich aunt that, like, lives in another country, now we're competing or at least viewing the lives of all these people around the world with completely different circumstances and it's just a lot more like you get to see the lives of like celebrities and like their day-to-day activities and and it's a lot to take in I think 
Yeah, like you see the successes of not only just people your age, people who are a little bit older than you, but also people who are younger than you. So you're not just seeing like a middle class suburban home who might be in the same situation as you, might have the same like level of job as you as well. You're definitely getting a lot of variety. And as you say, it's not just in your neighborhoods or around the world as well. And I mean, to some extent, like, yes, it's really cool that you can even, like, get to see, like, the lives of people around you, but suddenly we're comparing ourselves with, like, Instagram models with, like, private jets or, like, people who, you know, have the ability to travel the world or it appears like they have the ability to travel the world for a whole year and, like, it's not healthy or normal to, one, expect that that is how your life should be and therefore you are somehow in the wrong for not leading that exact same life without knowing that person's circumstances and what got them there in that place. Yeah, and it also leads to FOMO or like the fear of missing out because you see all these milestones with the people around you, like they're buying a house and then they've got that great big yellow sticker that says sold. <laughs> Sims like yeah, or like they're getting engaged, and they might you might be the same age as them, or they could be younger than you. You know, your idea of success is revolved around other people and their ideas of success. Do you agree? Yes, I think the sold sticker sign is like such a classic. Like it's almost like a part of our lives where you buy a house and then you you know, stand outside the sign, take a photo, and that goes on Instagram. Like, that's not a photo that you've just taken to keep in, like, your memory books. I mean, for some people it is, but this, you know, like, we do it because we want to have some form of, like, gratification from our peers, which is not wrong because that's just human nature. But I think, yeah, like, when we do this, we just reinforce our own ideas of, like, yeah, FOMO and like other people are doing it and I want to show that I am also, you know, part of this. And there's this great book called Thrive by Ariana Huffington who is a founder of the Huffington Post and it really makes you think about a lot of things because, you know, she thought the norm was working like 90 plus hours a week and this journey in terms of wellness and thinking about other things besides work started when she fell and hit her head on the side of a table and she like passed out in a pool of her own blood like that was her holy shit like let me wake up moment but she talks a lot about defining success and what it means to you like she puts out that challenge in terms of yeah, we've kind of been told what success is by society, by history, but what does it mean to you? And there was a quote or something that she wrote in the first part of the book in her introduction, and it was like, when you die, our eulogy is very different from what we see as success. And that has really stuck with me and reframed like my entire thinking of what like success means to me. Do you feel like the view of what's successful to us gets skewed by what we see on social media absolutely because you see someone with a certain type of car or buying a certain type of house in a certain neighborhood 
and they're your age and maybe they're younger than you or a little bit older than you and you're like, oh, yeah, that's something that I should strive towards or be like, that's what I should want as well. Like achievement unlocked, you know? And the thing is, is that I don't think it's as mindless as people think, if that makes sense. Like people think, oh, yeah, I'm just scrolling through Instagram, just looking at all these different things and not really taking anything in or like liking everything. I think, you know, in reference to when people say mindless scrolling like throughout the social medias, I think it does have a larger impact. I completely agree. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, we do say things like mindlessly scrolling as if it has no effect on us and it's just something you do, like, you know, while you're waiting in line for your coffee order or you're just, like, you know, on the way to somewhere. But everything you consume does get taken into some subconscious level. And there are studies that support this. There was a study recently by the ODM group which found that 75% of consumers rely on social media to help with their purchasing decisions as in even if we're not always thinking about it like like if someone asked you like did you buy this because you want to or did they have like did it have any effect from social media I think most people would initially be like no like I wanted this because I wanted it but if we dug deeper myself included like you know like how many times do we look at hotels for a holiday and end up going for one that might just look a little bit nicer not just because we want a nice place but also because like that would look really good on a social media post or how many times do we decide to eat out somewhere and like one cafe is a little bit more cuter and has you know like pastel pink walls and that would look really nice to be at and it definitely has an effect on us which is really interesting because there's nothing wrong with doing something because it looks nice, but I think at least acknowledging that we are consuming something in a way that is starting to affect our own financial decisions. And, you know, going more into that, it's not just our financials, of course, that do get affected. There was this study by the United Kingdom's um, Royal Society of Public Health, and they found that even just spending more than two hours a day on social media was resulting in young people to report psychological distress, which is pretty severe. And yeah, they they sort of spoke about it and they were saying that when we were seeing our friends constantly on holiday or enjoying nights out, like it does make us feel like we're missing out while others are enjoying life. But then I think we just sort of have to take a step back and realise it is just people's highlight reels that we're seeing. That's terrifying. (laughs) Like two hours, like if you think about it, and I understand why people talk about mindless scrolling because I think it is to do with the fact that when you are scrolling, you just lose track of time. Like two hours, like as you say, while you're waiting for a coffee in the morning, on your breaks, at night, before bed, that can easily lead up to two hours and more. And if it's enough to cause that stress. That's a lot. And yeah, I guess it just really, I just find it so fascinating that something that feels so mindless or so harmless can have such an impact on us but yeah and I think it's also really important to recognize that that's I guess more of like a passive form of Instagram affecting us but what what about when we're actively like wow this person has an amazing life and my life doesn't look like this and it makes us feel bad you know that sort of like actual realization I think 
I really want to get into that more a little bit today and talk about that because at the end of the day, it is so easy for people to just put up, you know, what they want and it makes it appear as if their life is like that all the time and it really always isn't. Like a really good example, and this is kind of perfect timing because it only came out sort of this year. Have you heard of Dan Bolzerian? Okay, that didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but Dan Bolzerian is a... We'll find out together, team. I think it's just you that doesn't know. Look, I'm just taking a conscious effort to not be on social media as much. Okay, we get it. You practice what you preach. So Dan Bolzerian <laughs> is a Instagram Instagrammer. He got really famous a few years ago. Like, he's not a recent celebrity, but... He's basically this guy with a beard and he's, it's an important part of the conversation. <laughs> he has a beard and he's just, his feed is just like him on holiday with like minimum 20 women around him and like bikinis. There's not five, there's not two. Just has like all this money and he's always on yachts. He's always traveling. He puts out like photos of like his parties and it's just like, it's insane. And he kind of like said, like, like when people asked him about his money, he was like, oh, yeah, like I used to just, I, I did like really well in poker when I was younger. And that's just like, I'm a good poker player. And I've just made a lot of money through that, which honestly sounded believable. But recently this year, he actually had a lawsuit filed against him by his own accountant, who very much just like shed light on the skies financial situation it was just like he makes it seem like he has all this money and he's spending like you know and his accountant kind of outed him and was like look like this guy spends so much money on things that he doesn't need and acts like he's paying for them and that he just lives this lavish lifestyle when in fact it's not him paying for it. It's just his, he's just paying for it through his company and writing it off as, you know, company expenses. This man spent $50,000 on a bed frame and tried to put it down as a company expense. He spent six figures on a two night trip to London and $75,000 on a paintball field, also to do with company expenses quote-unquote and this is the part that gets me the most Forbes called him a renter <laughs> they're like Dan Blazerian is a renter <laughs> <laughs> which is you know nothing wrong with being a renter and obviously like for some people that's like the best thing they can do because they'd rather put their money elsewhere but he was he was claiming that he owned the $60 million pad and he wasn't and he was renting it and someone else was footing the bill and it's just a really great example of like for years everyone just thought he was like this ballin' guy and he had all these people following him because they wanted to and it's just he was paying for these women to be there. He was not paying for these trips. He was trying to use the company to do so and once his lawyer got sick of it, he fired the lawyer, hence the lawsuit that the lawyers now put out. But yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's wild. Who knew he was a renter? Also, Forbes in their like article titles, they're quite savage because it's literally. What was the title exactly? And it was Dan Bolzerian is a renter and someone else pays his credit card bills. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. True, but. 
Yeah, I think. What I'm trying to take away from this myself is just like acknowledging that if I see someone living a very lavish lifestyle, like, yes, sure, maybe some of them did work really hard to get there, but no one comes from the same place. And it's unfair for me to compare my success to that of someone else whose circumstances were completely different. You know, like this guy's father used to be a millionaire. I think he went to jail for fraud. Like, there's all these things. And yeah, like, it's just, it's unfair. Like, how can you achieve something that wasn't even achieved by that person that you're comparing yourself to? And he also blatantly lied. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can do all these things because I play poker. That's right, buddy. There was another example of this Instagrammer who raked up about 27,000 pounds in personal debt purely because she was trying to perpetuate a certain image on Instagram and Refinery29 did a really great article on this and their um, headlines are a little bit more not as savage (laughs) she got to write her own headline so it was my insta-worthy lifestyle got me into £27,000 debt if anyone does want to have a read but to be brief it was interesting because like it initially started when she was planning for her wedding so she was on pinterest she was on instagram she was looking at all these ideas these venues and she was like i need that like i need those expensive things so i can post on instagram so she raked up the debt from her wedding and then it just kept going like she needed to live in a bigger house in a better suburb so her rent got higher and her expenses got higher and she was looking at all these home decor things and like furniture that these influencers were putting out. And so she would get that the same things that she knew she couldn't afford. And she was increasing, she I think she had like five plus credit cards linked to her PayPal to keep this lifestyle going. And then she got pregnant again because I think she already had a kid and then she got pregnant again and had to go on maternity leave but got into more debt because of like, you know, mummy bloggers? Oh, yeah. They're great. Like, I think it's really great that people share their journeys with parenthood and help other women out with great content, I'm sure. But also they promote like really expensive things. Like they're up to like $300 pounds, like car seats, for example, where you might not need that. So it just kept going and going and going and her kind of I guess gotcha moment was when she realized that in her 20s her and her partner had been bailed out by friends and family and now she couldn't do that you know she had children of her own so she turned it around and started this Instagram called my frugal year and it's really cool like it's just her journey of admitting she has a problem why she had a problem what why she was influenced by Instagram like really raw really vulnerable and her journey to paying off that debt and I think she's like less than 10k debt now in November 2020 because I think she launched it last year November so that's just it's her recognizing a problem Mm-hmm. sharing her problem with the world and sharing her learnings and how she's getting through it and then also sharing her wisdom and her teaching tools and looking where she's at now 12, 12 months later because I think identifying the problem was great and that's one thing but willing to share that knowledge and willing to be open about it that's 
something different and good on her. It takes a lot of guts and honestly kudos to her because like we can say this without like any doubt that she is not the only person that has gotten into debt because of the pressures of social media. In fact, like when you mentioned like the strollers thing, like you know how she spent like three hundred dollars on strollers or that they were out there like our parents did not have these pressures like when they were looking for strollers they were like okay you know there's like a mid-range stroller for 80 bucks there's a cheap stroller for 50 and you know a real expensive one for 100 but who cares like no one is going to look at the brand of my child's stroller they're like no nah, i can hold her like <laughs> I, I don't need this you know like like the only influence of like what will people say about the stroller or maybe like the people that you like see going for walks, like family, friends. It wasn't every single person that you have known from like intermediate to high school that would judge your stroller. Babies are so expensive, mind you. Like, Do you reckon they are? Like I think like, there's an aspect of like there are obviously expenses with children. But I definitely think there is an aspect of we just make it more expensive than it has to be. Because at the end of the day, your baby just needs warm clothes, food, shelter. And for the first part, like it's if you can, and if you're in the position to breast milk, and then solids and toys. They don't care about what they're wearing. And I'd love to do like a whole episode of like the actual cost of children and all that. But. Yeah, I think we have so much pressure around us to do the best and give the best or like we deserve the best and our families deserve the best of all products. But at the end of the day, we don't have to buy high-end products for every single aspect of our lives. And I think that's, at least for me personally, what social media makes me feel like I need to do. Like I can't just get like the cheap phone that's come out. Like I might as well get like iPhone 12 plus max you know I did want to include an interesting stat that was in the article as well Mm -hmm. you're a big fan of stats I'm proud that I found one for you Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it is around the UK and it's around how UK has an obvious consumer debt crisis and a recent study by Credit Karma found that Gen Zers and millennials so people aged between 18 and 34 they collectively spend £400 a month imitating Instagram stars with 7 in 10 going into debt as a result. So to echo what you were saying before, she's definitely not the right, like the only one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just talks to that point. Damn. It's amazing how much of an effect it has on us. Like it just, it blows my mind, even though it's something that like, obviously we all are not and aware of, but when you just see it like that and you just see how many people and how much. That's crazy. So I guess we've talked about, you know, the idea of keeping up with the Joneses and how it's sort of adapted to modern times, how FOMO really also plays into the behaviours that we have around social media. And we've also sort of discussed a few examples of how, you know, social media isn't necessarily representative of what's actually going on in someone's financial lives. So if someone was listening and they're like, okay, cool, Sonia, like, I get it, but what do I do? Because I'm obviously not going to delete my Instagram account today. What would be some, I guess, steps to help deal with this? Is what, I don't think it needs to be as dramatic as deleting your um, Instagram account because 
as we said before, you know, social media is great when you use it well. I think in terms of steps, one of the first things that you can do is recognizing when you do feel like a certain type of way and what type of post triggers that feeling. Because it's not saying that you're feeling jealous or envious, like, oh, that is so bad, like, your mindset is terrible. It's human. It's existed from the beginning of time, comparing ourselves to other people, jealousy. Maybe it was in different extremes, but I think when you recognize what makes you feel that way and when you do feel that way, just taking some time to be in that moment or in that feeling, why do I feel that way? Do I even want what they want? reorganizing my entire financial plan to afford the same car that this person has just posted on Instagram, you know? Asking yourself some more questions after you're feeling that I think is a good place to start. I completely agree. And I think, like we sort of mentioned earlier, like it is a highlight reel that you are looking at. And what I like to do sometimes as well, if, if you don't mind me adding, is... Like when I find myself in that position where I'm comparing myself, I let I almost like forgive myself for having that thought. And I sort of see it as like your initial thought is just like the innate one that you have, but your second thought, the active thought, is the one that matters. So it's okay to be like, wow, like, you know, she's always on holiday. Like, why am I not? And then for my second thought process to be like, well, you know, like if that's important to me, then okay, like let's work out a way to, you know, find out what they do. And if and if it's something I want to get into, like maybe we can sort that out. Or, you know, remember someone like there are things that this, that this person had to give up to be able to do what they want to do. Is that something you're willing to sacrifice as well? Because there's no aspect of all gain without some form of give or take. But yeah, I think... That's what I find helpful. I think there's also the idea of like a social media detox. The idea behind a social media detox is that you take some time to live completely without social media. So that's being dramatic, deleting all your apps, locking your apps for a certain period of time. And it depends on how you want to do it. I know the most common one is like 30 days. So like a full month cold turkey, no social media and seeing what you do in that time because it just gets you to reanalyze all the great things that we've talked about another really good idea is i mean not going cold turkey but some people actually do find some form of a detox really helpful i know sonia you have in the past done like a social media detox like did you find that helpful i'm so dramatic i did 30 days that's Um, amazing i've done like four at most at best it was really good I was trying to learn a language at the same time. I mean, ask me if I know more than a sentence in Spanish now. This is ages ago, but I think I need to redo another one. Oh, yeah. And in terms of it being beneficial, yeah, I just found like I had more time to do things, prioritized, I guess, learning a little bit more, being present in the moment. But there's heaps of videos and heaps of articles on it of people doing 30-day detoxes. Mind you, you don't need to do 30. I was just, again, being dramatic. I was going through something, I'm sure. But um... No, I think that's really good. And, you know, if you're someone that's listening and you're like, well, you know, I don't need that right now, but, you know, it doesn't have to be the complete removal of social media 
I personally found it very helpful to just go through my following list and just having a look at seeing who am I, you know, subscribing my time to and removing maybe certain influences or certain brands that weren't making me feel too good and all they were providing was like their beautiful trips and their beautiful holidays. And at the end of the day, that was not helpful to me and just removing anything like that and only keeping and maybe adding, you know, other things to my feed that were, I guess, yeah, more helpful to me or maybe brought on more healthy ideas. Like I found that to be a form of, you know, a social media detox or at least like following list detox that, you know, just aligns you more to your goals and puts you back on track. And I think the third step that we've found really helpful together is finding out what success means to you and not letting social media or external influences sway that. So just say, you know, you spend a little bit of time, you write out what you want in your life to make you happy. Then suddenly seeing someone else shedding away or seeing someone else buying a new house or or doing this or that, it's not going to affect you as much because you're going to start being like, you know, great for them. That's what they want. But what I want is something else. And, you know, just giving you more willpower to be more in control of what makes you happy as opposed to feeling like you should be doing what other people are doing to be happy. Well, on the flip side as well, like when you do identify what success means to you and what your values are, you can trust that people posting, they're posting reflective of what's important to them. Meaning like I know people get or feel a certain type of way about travel posts, but for me, like I have a lot of travel posts on my Instagram, but you know, when I backpacked throughout Europe, I love inserting a good Europe story in every situation. Oh wait, you went to Europe? And it really triggers someone. <laughs> like we were staying in twelve bed mixed dorms for like fifteen euro a night, some cheaper. We weren't staying in luxurious places, but we got to do like so many fun things. And my grand makes it seem like I had this expensive holiday. Absolutely not. Ella, you can attest to this. But, um, is it a test? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. English is our second language. The whole holiday thing is a good point. And I just wanted to, like, I felt that way as well the last time I went on a trip overseas. And at the end, what I actually did was... I made like a little Instagram post of like maybe like five five to ten slides of like the not so fun things about this trip that I'd been on because I was away for like three weeks nonstop just being like you know this beautiful country like I was in Korea and I just felt like a little bit guilty like a sense of like people must be like sick and tired of just seeing like all these beautiful things and so I made a little yeah, a little reel that was just like, you know, like there were days when we were just really tired. There were days when we were in hostels where we did not want to rest our heads on those beds. There were days where we <laughs> missed a bus and like literally ended up in the middle of like rural career in the middle of nowhere, just being like, this is it, you know? And I feel like for me, that was an important thing to do. And it's not something that I would ask or expect other people to do, but I felt like it kind of made me feel like I was putting out equal, like really fun things throughout the trip, but also like little reality check. 
it's not all fun and games. There is such a difference between different social media platforms because I did the same thing, but on Snapchat. Because on Snapchat, I would just be like, look at this shit ass. I'll still bitch like I need to wear a hoodie or like put clothes over this pillowcase compared to Instagram where I didn't feel inclined to say all of that because it's just a different audience (laughs) i do that now though so yeah we talked about you know the different concepts when it comes to how social media affects our financial situation whether that be keeping up with the joneses whether that be fomo we got to look at some instagram influencers as well and you know talk about how it's so hard for us to look at people like this and just know what's going on and we'd rather just assume that like they're really wealthy and everything's really great and now we should feel bad about ourselves for not being there but most importantly and I think I guess the thing I hope we can all take away is that it's okay to feel these things but what can we do to work towards moving away from the headspace of like this is how my life should be or this is what I should be achieving And if I'm not, like, I'm suddenly, like, losing out on life or, like, everyone else is, like, getting ahead and I'm just slowing down. So before we go, a little disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalised investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors and the advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not... consider your individual circumstances always do your research and please use your due diligence until next time sonia till next time sim bye bye